you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on a Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. Nice to linger on that song for a little bit. That's a, I, I don't think I, I, I realized when that was out how good it was. That was just the cranberries. Um, okay. Uh, we're that the song is always chosen um, with some intention. And we are going to be talking about lingering today. We're going to be talking today um, mostly just about one verb. Um, one, uh, one very unusual, very special verb in uh in in the torah and in the, and that that appears um for the last time in this week's parsha in the torah it's a verb that only appears nine times in all of the tanakh it's a very unusual verb and the verb is lihitmamea lihitmamea okay so <laughs> let's put that aside and we'll come back to it so just a few uh good and welfare kind of announcements um First, first of all, uh, if you are, lots of Hadar stuff going on this weekend. If you're in Los Angeles at Temple Beth Am, they every year uh, throw a, um, uh, a Shabbat weekend event that is dedicated to song and prayer. It's called Tefillah, it's called. And the featured sort of artist there, um, Hannah Raskin, is a, a recording artist under Hadar's recording label the rising song institute um so that's that's a connection and our director of of music um uh, rabbi deborah Sachs mintz will be there with her so will there'll be some hadar presence in la i actually won't be in la this weekend so if you're in san francisco this weekend um uh i'm going to be at the kitchen in san francisco teaching um several times throughout the weekend uh with uh uh rabbi noah kushner up there and um and Chazan Asher and good people up there. And so if you're in San Francisco, come and, and learn with me. Um, we'll have a Friday night, uh, a short learning, and then a couple of longer sessions on Saturday. Um, this is also an ICAR um, uh, 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 class. Uh, this is in partnership. So uh, let me also note that at Kolt Filah, Rabbi Ronit Sadok from ICAR will be teaching Friday night. Um, and speaking of Ikar, if you're the random person who comes to these classes but knows nothing about Ikar, which is fine, um, you should know that uh, the, the the these classes were started by an organization that was started by a woman who just put out a, a book, a new book, The Amen Effect. And, um, and so I want to recommend that to you and um, to tell you that 
not this Shabbat, not next Shabbat, but the one after, there'll be a, a talk with Rabbi Braus at Adi Carr. And then on January 30th, there's a talk. Uh, so if you're, if you're not around to that Shabbat, there's a talk uh, at the Central Library in Los Angeles. There, you could go to Ikar's website and find, maybe Vera can even put a link to it and find other, maybe you're in in New York or I think Rabbi Brass is right now. So she's touring her book around and, um, and it's very exciting. So um, congrats to her and uh, recommended to you all. Okay, uh, I think that's it. Uh, let's get into it. I, I, I will just say before we say a blessing and, and get into it that, you know, I write these weekly Divrei Torah for Hadar. And I remember when I was um, so a little anxious about teaching and writing and, and I said, can I just reuse the material? Can I teach the, and, and, I, and I knew I didn't want to teach the same exact material, but I thought that the whole, every class would basically be a deep dive into footnote five or something like that. But the truth is I find that most of the time, once I've finished writing the material, I'm kind of like done with that. And then I, there are other things in the Parsha I want to talk about. So I find myself much more often just doing two entirely separate topics, which we will do today. But if you want to take a look at the, um, uh, at the, um, at the, 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 the Devar Torah that I wrote this week, here it is in the chat. And it, it's all about bread, basically. And I thought maybe we would go even further with bread today. Bread is a huge metaphor in our tradition, right? Bread and anti-bread. Um, but, uh, but you know, it, I wrote it all down. So, <laughs> so if you're interested in bread, take a look at that, uh, that, um, that link. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about litmamea. Let's talk about the verb. And soon we will define it, and then it'll take us on a little tour through the Torah. And say a blessing. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kidshanu b'mitzvotav etzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Just to be uh, able to spend an hour a day learning Torah is such a gift. Okay. Um, let's take a look. Litmamea. Now, where does it appear? It appears um, in a, the, a very prominent place in the Torah. You might call this the highlight of the Torah, the climax of the Torah. This is the moment that the children of Israel leave Egypt. This is the Exodus. This is it. Uh, the book in Hebrew is Shemot. <laughs> But we say Exodus, we, we name the book after this moment right here. Here's the Exodus, and you're going to see the verb and a translation, and then we'll play with the translation a little bit. The verb is litmamea, and um, let me call up the right screen here. Oh, and let me give you um, a link to the source sheet. Hold on one sec. Sorry, it's always like, and the HTTPS, otherwise it won't link into, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Technical, technical, technical. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. Okay, here's the source sheet and let's get started. Um, the children of Israel, Visau b'nei Yisrael, Vayisu, Vayisu, Vayisu b'nei Yisrael miramseis, Sukosa. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot. Um, um, about 600,000 men, fighting men, um, which is often how they would take a census in the, in the Torah. 600,000 fighting men, meaning probably 
like well well over a million, maybe over two million people um, leaving Egypt at once. Okay. Um, moreover, a mixed multitude went up with them. Um, and this is the Erev Rav. This is a very famous phrase here. The mixed multitude. And a lot of discussion. Who were these people? It seems like other people joined the cause and they, let's get, oh, I want to get out of Egypt too. So that's interesting for another time. And Erev Rav went up with them and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And here it is. Okay, this is like, this is such an important, this, this, this verse is 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 it this is like there's so much in here this is the exodus this is the um this is the uh matzah and this is sort of the reason for the matzah okay they baked um they baked they they baked the dough that they had taken out of egypt it, they baked it into matzah cakes kilo chametz it had not leavened because they had been driven out of Egypt. That's interesting language that they they had been driven out of Egypt when the whole thing is that they want to leave. But um, and here comes the verb. Um, I'm going to point it to it in Hebrew. They could not uh, delay. That's how it's translated here. Okay, so now you have a translation. To delay. They could not delay. And they had not prepared any other provisions for themselves. They hadn't trapped anything. All they had were these matzahs. That's what they left with. And that's why matzahs are matzahs, because they couldn't delay. Right? The other big famous word that we use for that whole atmosphere comes earlier in the chapter, in chapter 12 of, of, of Exodus, one of the most important chapters in the Torah. And the other verb is chipazon. Bechipazon. They, they left in haste. Chipazon. Okay, that's an interesting word. But this is sort of like, and if they hadn't left in haste, what is it that they couldn't do? Litmamea. Litmamea, to delay. Now, what does this mean? Well, it was just translated as delay. Um, the the easiest way, if you're on Safari, to look up a word is to go click into the text. Thank God for Safari. Um, God, God and Brett, Brett Locks Pfizer. Um, uh, let's see. Where am I? I sort of lost my place. Um, okay, here we are. Uh, if we just click on the word. There we go. Uh, to linger, to tarry, wait, or delay. Okay. So that's the Cranberry song there. <laughs> to linger, to tarry, to wait, to delay. Okay. So that's pretty straightforward, even though it's a very weird, cool looking word. You cannot help but notice, though, that Lehit Mamea looks like Lehit Ma, Ma. Okay, ma, what does ma mean in Hebrew? Ma means what? So, lehit mamea, lehit mamea feels a little bit like, um, like, like they lingered and, and, and were lingering in questions, like asking what, what, what? I want, like, they're lingering and asking and not satisfied, like caught up in something. Okay, that's just 
it just feels that way. We're going to soon see one of the commentators totally dismiss what I just said. Um, so hold for that. But um, okay, you now have the verb and they could not linger. And I guess I just, uh, I, I wonder why, like before we start making connections to other uses of this verb, um, what does it mean if it, if this is the opposite of, of haste and haste is the experience of leaving Egypt and haste we talk about all, all the time and haste is the reason for the matzot. What's the other thing? What is it to linger that, uh, that the Torah takes time to tell us about? Okay. So I don't know, like I'm putting that question in the air. I'm not sure we're ready to answer it yet, but if anyone already has, has a thought that they want to insert, then that's, then that's, I'll, I'll pause here for, um, for just a moment. Sorry. I'm having some computer troubles today. Okay. Are we good? Is there any confusion? They couldn't delay. Okay. All right. So let's, let's just read the rest of that. Um, and then we'll start making connections. So they could not delay. Um, and they had not prepared any uh, pr provisions. Okay. There's, it's a, uh, the question I'm asking is a question that's sort of a common interpretive, like common of the interpretive style um, in 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 Parshanut, which is to say, well, there's so much wording here. What they they um, they left and they 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 were driven out, and the bread didn't have time to to rise because they couldn't linger. It's just like saying the same thing over and over again and with such an unusual verb you you you, you sort of have to ask what well, what are they what are they trying to tell us here okay so um uh that's it that was the exodus from egypt and the length of the time that the israelites lived in egypt was 430 years at the end of 430th year to the very day the etzma yomaze um and here's the exodus yatsu koltsiv otashem eretz mitzrayim all the ranks of god departed from the land of egypt that's it. That was the Exodus. Okay. Now let's have some fun. Lehitmamea. What an unusual verb. Um, how would we think about uh, understanding the use of that verb and what it really means and what why the Torah goes out of its way to tell us about the possibility of being mitmamea right here in this most important moment in our people's um, in our people's history. Okay. So here's what I want to ask. Where else have we seen that verb? Where else have we seen that verb? Oh, I see the hands now are going down. <laughs> and you're cheating if you're just looking ahead. Does anyone, you, does anyone, anyone who did not look on further happen to know where that verb is? Okay. All right. I think there's one occasion uh, when Lot didn't want to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. Ron Fersky for the win. That's awesome. And I think what J Jacob or not wanting to leave his homeland that seemed forced to run away. Oh, okay. That's it. We did it. We, okay. Great class, everybody. Bye. <laughs> that was beautiful. That's beautiful. That's right. And like, look, I'm doing this for fun, but also let's, let's, this is, this is really, you notice these unusual words, keep them in your mind. And hopefully after an hour of talking about it, We'll all be able to when someone asks, where else have we seen Litmamea? You'll know the three places. These are this is this is a good kind of, of memory to develop in the study of Torah. If there are three uses of one verb in the Torah, well, then there's some connection between those three places 
if in no other way than semantic, but of course, uh, uh, our working assumption, or mine anyway, is that it's more than that, that there's a kind of tethering that takes place between these three. Um, that's the sort of midrashic assumption. Um, so let's take a look first at, at, um, at, at the place that Ron mentioned and then the place that Noah mentioned, and we'll start to get a fuller sense of what it means to be mitmame. And it turns out to be a, a very potent, a, a, a verb that's only used at moments of great tension, great tension. So let's let's take a look here. Um, I see, I uh, don't usually see the chat, but I just saw that Rena said that it's reflexive. That's good too. That's good too. Right. Okay. Let's talk about, let, let's hold that. And we'll come and talk about that again when we, when we think again about the construction of the word, as we look at the first time that it is used. Okay. Rena's right. It's unusual in two ways because it repeats that second syllable, which Hebrew sometimes does, but it's a certain style um, that, okay, well, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's take a look. Uh, okay. Um, here's uh, Lot, the story of Lot. I guess before I throw it on the screen, I should say a little bit about the story of Lot, just in case we need a refresher, which is that Lot is Abraham's nephew. And at a certain point, Lot and Abraham don't get along. And that makes us feel as a reader of the Torah that maybe there's, if Abraham is our forefather, maybe Lot's not supposed to be with us or something wrong with Lot. And indeed, there is something wrong with Lot because somehow he ends up, you know, well, you know, he, he ends up sleeping with his daughters. Uh, 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 they assault him. I don't, it, there's a, it's a bad story. <laughs> there's something wrong with Lot. Something doesn't, he, he ends up offering his daughters to a crowd of strangers. Like, uh, it, it's, um, you know, it's a bad story. Lot is a weird guy. And um, we, we've talked about that um, uh, uh, other times. But um, um, I'm alluding to like the most horrific things in the Torah. And we're just going to move on from them. But it actually, you need them to have a sense of what is so weird about, about Lot. Because Lot is also weird in this moment. Because for all of Lot's difference from Abraham and weirdness, and um, Abraham still goes and saves Lot when Lot is taken um, hostage. Um, and we had occasion, unfortunately, to think about Lot's hostage taking in a deep way this year. But uh, Lot is taken hostage. Abraham goes in, uh, to save him. And then Lot uh, goes back and, and, and is in Sodom, Sodom, right? With these, these Sodom and Gomorrah, these words have like hellfire, hell, brim, uh, brimstone and hellfire kind of association, Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where Lot is. But Abraham prays that the cities be saved despite their wickedness. And instead of saving the cities, because it seems like they're too far gone, God seemingly as a kindness to Abraham agrees to save or agrees, uh, makes the gesture of saving Lot and Lot's family and sends two angels to Lot to take him out of Sodom before the city is destroyed. Okay, that, that, con that there's context for you. And um, that'll help to understand how strange it is when Lot is the next person to be mitmamea, to delay. Let's take a look at the verb again. Ah, boy, what a day, what a day. I'm also having this thing, by the way, where every time I screen share, just because someone usually has the technical, every time I, I share my screen and then go back, my Zoom screen is small again and I have to make it big again. I don't know like why that's happening. Anyway, put it in the chat if you do. Okay, here's the uh, here's the 
here's the here's the uh, here's the scene in Sodom. As dawn broke, the messengers and they're really angels. They're not the messengers can be used to just uh, the word malachim can be um, just messengers. But here they have superpowers, so I'm convinced they're angels. The angels urged Lot on, uh, saying, "Up, take your wife and your two remaining daughters, lest you be swept away because of the iniquity of the city." Here it is. Vayit mama, vayit mama. There it is. He delayed. Still, he delayed. And I gotta say, like <laughs> this first usage is also take a look at the trope here. This is a this is also an an unusual notation, an unusual um, tam. It's a shalshelet, a shalshelet, literally like a chain, a chain because there's it's a there's a chain of three sounds. Right, so shall let. I'm not a good laner, so that wasn't good. But it's like a a trill like that. So yitmama there. It's like you can feel him delaying. It's a brilliant thing that the that the the Masorites, is that what they call them did by placing a shalshelet here. Yitmama. That's how you, that's like, that's the moment. Is he, that he, he delayed. Okay, I'm making too much of it now. I'm just practicing my, 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 my weak shall shell it. It doesn't come up that often. So you don't practice it often. But anyway, that's the idea. And you can feel in that notation, there's like something holding Lot back. We'll read the rest of it here. And then we'll think about what what is he what is he doing? So the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and in God with God's mercy upon him, because the Torah wants to say that we you know he doesn't seem to really deserve uh, uh, this this treatment, but bechem latashem alav, because God took mercy upon him and brought him and left him outside the city. Okay, so that there's <laughs> there's the moment of delay. What is he? What is he holding back? What is holding him back? Why is he so torn? Why doesn't he want to go when the whole city is being destroyed? And just so um, we make that point uh, entire, the, just just to just to before we open up the conversation um, more fully, let me just add one more cool detail, which is that uh, you know someone someone else delayed in that story, right? Lot's wife, Lot's wife, famously in one of the weirdest lines in the Torah, but it's directly connected to what we're talking about here. They brought him outside. They said, flee for your life. Don't look behind you. Don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the hills, lest you be swept away. But Lot said to them, oh, no, my Lord, you've been so gracious to your servant and have already shown me so much kindness in order to save my life. But I cannot flee to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and my death. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't need all of this, blah, blah, blah. So they go and they go and they go. And then the last bit here says, but his wife turned around and looked back. And looked back. And she turned into a pillar of salt. That's like a very... It's a very well-known image, the pillar of salt. Has anyone been in Israel to the place near the Dead Sea where they say, oh, that's Lot's wife? It's like a pillar. It's a cute, it's a cute thing. But I um, but okay, there's that, there's that image. She turned into a pillar of salt. Why did she turn into a pillar of salt? Because she delayed on, on some level. 
right? That was, there. there's a sort of movement there where he delays and they say, no, don't delay, go and don't look back. She does look back. So it's all kind of connected to this. We don't want to leave Sodom. We're not sure we should leave Sodom. Uh, even with angels in our house, even with a crowd um, threatening to, to, to assault us, even with all of that, Lot delays. Okay, so what's Lot thinking? And as Lot, as we begin to, to construct that, we'll eventually head head back to the to the Exodus and try to think what well, what is all of this kind of delay that the Israelites simply could not afford to do. So what what is Lot thinking there? What is Lot thinking? Okay, that's it. Well, we can. I'll tell you one thing before we move forward, which is that um, that that verb here again looks like uh, looks like where is it? Where is it? Ah, here it is. Th this verb here, as I said, it looks like ma ma. So and it is reflexive, as Rena said. So it's a little bit like. The translation I would love to give for this verb is equivocate, to equivocate. He sort of, to equivocate, that is to doubt, to go one way or the other. There's something about Lot that was in that moment turning into himself and asking, what, 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 what do I really want here? What do I, that moment of just really trying to figure out what, do I actually want to leave Sodom or is this my home and am I, with them till the end. This is what I said before. Um, one of our commentators calls a false derivation. Um, here, I'll just show you that, um, that when he equivocates um, the Ibn Ezra, here you can see it in English. I am amazed by Ben Ephraim's commentary. Ben Ephraim is a Karite biblical commentator. I'm amazed by what the Karites say a non-rabbinic tradition. He claims that Yitmama, but he lingered, is derived from the same root as ma, what? What, what does it say there? However, he seems to have forgotten that both hays of Yitmama are pointed. In reality, Yitmama means lingered and it comes from a trilateral root, mem hey hey, with the first letter written twice. Okay, so that is just to say, that I want to read this as he equivocated, but the Ibn Ezra is saying that is a false derivation. And the question is, does the Torah mean for us to to what to a what to to wonder about this word, to linger over this word? Okay, um, let's return to Lot. What is Lot thinking? I find I, I finally have some some uh, some some thoughts on on Lot. Uh, uh, Leah, let's start with Leah. Is Lot the first person in the Torah that lives in a house? I'm thinking about Abraham and Sarah who live in a tent and everybody's in a tent and we are going to go from Egypt where there are structures, where there are houses into a place where we have no structure, no structures, where we basically have tents. Um, it's nice and comfortable here. Why would I want to leave? I got a roof over my head. Wow. That and I think the, yeah. the same thing we saw um in the late 1930s in Germany, uh, 
Many German Jews could not believe that the roof that had sheltered them thus far was going to be taken away from them very soon. They couldn't, couldn't get that this was the moment not to linger. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Leah just, I mean, this re we really could end the class after that because there, there's a lot there. Um, Leah, uh, first of all, just a brilliant suggestion there. I'm thinking about it. Were there, were there any other fortified houses that we know of before this? A really, really important thought because our ancestors were told again and again and again all lived in tents. They were shepherds. They were sort of nomadic people. And even as they were rooted in the land, they were sort of always traveling around it and uh, not rooted in that way. And then, you know, building projects like the Tower of Babel are sort of condemned. So, you know, and Sodom is condemned. Is Sodom condemned because there's something about a city and a fortified, you know, all of the, there's a, maybe there's a, like a, a suspicion that the Torah has of cities and what happens in cities and just, but the comforts of a city and the safety of a city and the fortified insulated walls that you have when you have a house, we take it for granted because most of us live in houses, but, but load is unusual here and load left Abraham, Lot left a tent life, because it was like the, the, the conflict between Lot and Abraham was that there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough for both of them. It was very scarce when they were all trying to herd the same flocks on the same ground. And eventually Lot is not a shepherd anymore. He settles down. So that's fascinating. That's a great, great read. Uh, that maybe what Lot is afraid of is, you know, yeah, that <laughs> looks like the city of Sodom has some problems, but, but and God says God's going to destroy it. Okay, I guess I believe in God, but on the other hand, what are you telling me? I'm going to leave the only fortified environs I know and just head out into the hills? That doesn't. That's not. I, I'm not. And he says that. I. I. That's. I can't just go running into the hills. I can't do that. Right? He's freaked out by that. So I just. I love that Reedley. I think that's. That's if I showed up to class just for that. That's that's brilliant. And then yeah, and then you 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 the connection you make is, um, is one that inevitably we're going to to think about. Although we have to make it delicately. I think there's also the the mention of the Holocaust. You know, it is it like like it does. There is a parallel there of getting comfortable and then suddenly um, being attached to that, but also like that. That puts a different spin on it because we, we we tend to you know we can't we can't fathom that that's going to happen. We just like can't fathom that an entire society is. So maybe it's actually maybe that reference gives us some sympathy for Lot. It's like could it really be that the whole world's going to turn upside down? You know, could it really be that everything I've worked so hard to build is just going to be poop? You know. There's there are certain kinds of um, reality bending uh, 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 tra traumas that are that are well, how could you possibly think that you you had to flee from Germany? How could you? Um, and yet there's here back in our story, there's this idea of like, no, don't don't delay. Don't delay. So again, part of what we're trying to do here is understand the Exodus. So the Exodus is 
um, is a moment when they could not delay. And maybe if part of what delaying means is, is wondering whether you're gonna have the comforts and security uh, uh, of, of your current life, even, even amidst all the oppression, well, then that maps on very well to the Exodus because that is what the children of Israel say again and again and again. Is why, you know, why'd you take us out of, out of Egypt? We remember what it was like in Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots. You know, to when we ate um, um, bread to our to our contentment. That's exactly the kind of thinking that they ultimately do. So this moment, the moment of the Exodus, is a moment when they cannot, they can't be in that thinking. And maybe for a moment they weren't in that thinking. And what it says is they have they, they were not able to be in that thinking. The crisis had gotten so severe, the, severe there was no room to say. Well, what about, I don't know. I mean, it's like, no, leave now. And that was the moment. Okay, good. So love that. Love that reading, Leah. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Matt. That's just actually. That, that's it. The point. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just hits the point I was starting to think about because this chapter in the Torah has one of my favorite pieces, which is in the middle of setting up to kill all of the um, firstborn, God and Moses take a little while to, to relax and linger on discussing the ceremony on how they're going to celebrate this event that they're in the middle of. And But it's layered because this is the hasty Passover, not the one we actually do. So they're lingering over discussing, discussing how they are going to celebrate rushing through the escape from Egypt. So it's brilliant. Brilliant. I, all the comments today have just been fire. Brilliant. That, that is just so that's such a, an important uh, observation there. This all happens in the midst of the chapter. I took you to the heart of the chapter where they actually leave Egypt. But what is most of the chapter about? It's about all of the rituals of the Passover that they will not only go through on that night, but all of the rituals of the Passover of future generations, and this is what you're going to say to your kids on that day when they ask you, Mazot, what, what is all of this? You're going to tell them this. There's a lot of lingering. Not only that, <laughs> this is make Matt's point even stronger because it's such a good point. Not only that, but let's go back to uh, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 has all of those rituals. Right here, they're leaving Egypt, but before then, they get the months, they get the 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 Passover rituals, like keep watch over the blood on the doorpost. Boy, like if they're in haste, they really have a lot of time for instructions. But more than that, I just want to like highlight the fact that they take the lamb on the tenth of the month, and they watch over the lamb until the fourteenth of the month. So part of the ritual is for them to like watch over this lamb for four days. What kind of haste is that? So there's an irony here that Matt is pointing out that is really remarkable and for further uh, discussion and processing, but that that for, that idea that there must be haste, but, but, but there's enough time for haste, after all, is about trying to do a lot of things in a short amount of time. And 
I guess, I think this is where Matt was starting to go. I guess all of those rituals are are also necessary. If they're in haste, then they're still doing them for four days, but it doesn't feel like haste. So great, 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 great comments. Um, I wanna turn to Ron, who was our, our, our bingo winner today, who got the, the first text. Ron, uh, we'd love to see if we can, but if your camera's not working today, that's fine. My camera's never working. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I know I'm going off the, the, the Dara here. Because, because specifically the in the verses that you brought up, the first in the first verses for the Exodus, it's not delay. And I, I immediately, although it's a totally different verse, a uh, verb, I'm I'm thinking what happened there was what happened with Abraham when he was told to to um sacrifice Isaac, where he didn't delay it, he got up immediately and he did. It doesn't say he didn't delay, but he got up immediately and and started out. Right. And, and I, I think there's but, other. But Yash came out from Baboker. He got up early in the morning. Like, oh, right. I'm ready. Yeah. Go do it. <laughs> and I, I know there's other occurrences of that kind of thing, but I, I don't know what verbs are used. Right. But I just, want, I just wanted to point out that although that's the verb that's here, it's, it's, a, it's in the negative. And right. so I found a positive elsewhere. That's right. Where the verb that, wasn't used. That's right. They, you run, you're right to point all of that out. We could do a, a larger kind of survey of the moments of alacrity in the Torah's narrative, because this is, it is a value. I mean, Stan was right that delib careful deliberation is a value, but Ron is also right that alacrity is a value. Zrizim makdimin um, the the energetic or like the those who have real um, alacrity will rush to do the mitzvot, rush to the do the mitzvot. That's like a that's a virtue zrizut in our in our tradition. The idea that this idea of as Reb Sadek says that our our actions must be in haste, and we see that modeled when Abraham does immediately what God says, or when Noah, for 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 that matter, does immediately what God says. Right. What is what is and and there are these moments where they just do what God says. In fact, one of those moments. Let's see if uh, chapter twelve is still on screen here. One of those moments that like that emphasizes. Ron's looking for other places in the Torah where I'm scrolling now through Exodus chapter twelve, and I want to get to a mo moment. Um, and the Israelites went. They they he, this is the Passover offering. Moses told them all of that after everything we read, and it says, Israel kasher Hashem et Moshe kenasu." They went and they did what what um, what Moses and Aaron said. They did it right away. Okay, that's what they. There's a moment of feeling like when you read it, it doesn't it's, it does it's not a special verb for it, but you have this feeling like they just did it. Right, so Ron's right. That that's an echo we also hear in our tradition, and we're in a we're in an interesting place now of now beginning to map a kind of spectrum of virtues where both alacrity and deliberation are clearly values, but we have to we have to think, we have to negotiate. What are the moments when, and we don't always know, we don't always know what's coming next. Is this a moment to be careful? Is this the moment to buy a house? Is this the moment to, um, to, to, to uh, pull my stocks out? Is this the moment to change, put my stocks in? Whatever, like, to, to, is this the moment to change everything? Um, I'll try to give some more prosaic examples. So it is in all life and death. Uh, uh, let's uh, let's uh, end with Payam and Rani. I think equivocates the right word. I think 
it's just such a rarely used word because it's these are the places where there's just two choices and that it's you know point that special verb is just pointing towards these are the very few examples in the bible in which you have two clear choices and you just have to choose between the two it is in time of thinking but everything else there's multiple choices so i think it's just saying there's very rare instances of two choices and that's why we have this rare verb beautiful beautiful i i i i agree with you Payam. i i you and it's you and and and, and me against uh the 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 Ibn Ezra because you know I showed you that 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 piece of commentary by one of our great sages who says no 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 that's not the real grammar of the word and you know what he might be right that on a grammatical level sure like maybe it's it's related to something else but Payam and I I think are saying or at least I'm adding to what Payam is saying that there's just no way that the Torah doesn't mean for us to see a verb like lit mamea and see the two ma ma's there what 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 should I do? What should I do? And Payam says so beautifully, that's a binary. What? This or what? This. Do, which which of these choices do I, which of these options do I take? Which, what choice do I make? And to be stuck in that, I don't know. Like, that's the, I, I, I just got to say, I relate to this feeling so deeply. I am such an equivocator. I am so rarely able to just seize the moment and just do something because it's necessary without thinking. I'm like, a, oh, you should see me shopping for a mattress. You know, it's like, oh God, I'll go to like this store and lay down, do I really, is this really, come? like I'm just the worst at at this kind of, this moment where, um, where you just seize and go and do. But I am comforted somewhat by the, again, the language that we started with, I'll just end by taking us back to, which is that um, it says, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, equivocate. And equi equivocating can be, um, at least for me, paralyzing in part because it is, it's like an indulgence. It's like I, I'm delaying the inevitable by just staying in the anxiety. But there are moments actually where you don't have the choice and they couldn't equivocate. And that's part of what the haste. So is it that they were hasty and that was a good thing and that was a virtue? Or is it that the moment sometimes creates haste and haste is the right response for the moment? And it's not so much a virtue, but a, an, 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 a necessity. And there are moments like that. So anyway, great work today, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, I came in today a little uncertain where we were going to go. And I just heard just, just, just brilliance across the board. So I really appreciate your thoughts and uh, great learning with you. Have a Shabbat Shalom. Maybe I'll see some of you in San Francisco this weekend. Um, but if not, have a Shabbat Shalom wherever you are. Bye. Okay, that's it. A taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today. Uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, and speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and, and join our, our circle of, of Torah geeks, you can find us, uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m. online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And, uh, and if you go to the calendar... Uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. 
and um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that that uh, we keep our classes, you can if you click on Parsha study, you'll find all of our archive classes and source sheets and everything we discuss there. So if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and uh, and in the meantime, 